Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Thank you so much for tuning into today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com. If you feel that I've brought you any value at all, please consider showing your appreciation by becoming a supporter of this free podcast at anchor.fm slash Christopher Yule slash support. This allows me to be able to create more content to give you the tools, tips, and tricks you need to help you trade faster and trade smarter. Have you ever wondered how millionaires trade their own portfolios? Well, today's your lucky day on the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options Podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com. Hello and welcome back to the How to Trade Stocks and Options Podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to trade faster and trade smarter. I'm the 10 Minute Stock Trader himself, Christopher Ewell, voted one of the top 100 people in finance. And today, I want to share an interview I did with you a little while ago with uh, William Satry. Now, William used to be employed specifically to teach high net worth individuals how to trade their own stocks and options portfolio. And he reached out to me through Instagram and he said, you know what, man, I love what you're doing and I want to share some of my knowledge with your audience and maybe I can help them learn to trade like I used to teach all these millionaires how to trade. So I want to bring that back out today, give it back to you, make sure if you missed it the first time, you had a chance to, to listen to it this time. I mean, William knows exactly what he's talking about. I, I am so humbled and grateful that he has chosen to share all this information with us. And I hope that you can find it incredibly useful. And maybe you can find some tools, tips, and tricks to put it in your own portfolio. So with all that being said, let's get into the interview. And thank you so much for stopping by. Here on the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I think the smartest thing you could do is open a new brokerage account with Tastyworks. Tastyworks is a brokerage platform that I use and I recommend. The commission structure is absolutely unbeatable at $1 per leg total. Now, if you sign up for a free Tastyworks account using the code 10MINUTE, that's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E, I'll give you $150 in free 10-Minute Trader exclusive bonuses from 10MinuteStockTrader.com just for opening a free account at Tastyworks. Remember to use the code 10MINUTE, that's 10-M-I-N-U-T-E, when signing up for your new Tastyworks account today. Hello, it's Christopher Ewell from 10MinuteStockTrader.com, and on the phone today we've got our friend again, William Saytree. And uh, he reached out to me and he said that he's got a lot more information that he wants to share. He's put together a, a, a presentation and uh, I'm really excited to hear what he's, what he's got to say. William, thank you so much for coming back to the show. Well, you're welcome and thank you for having me. I figured uh, after our last session it would make a lot more sense to the audience to just take a step back. You know, trading is exciting, making money is even more exciting, but you've got to have a process in place to do that consistently. And so what what most retail investors fail to have in place is a set of uh, trading rules, entry and exit rules. So I figured we'd spend a few minutes today looking at market posture and comprising a, a position so that before you click the mouse, enter a trade, you know before you even do that what you're willing to risk to get the reward that you're seeking, so you've got a target. That removes the emotion from the equation. 
and allows you to be very systematic and consistent with your approach to the market. So if, if that's okay, I figured the best place to start, if you can see my screen here, is we'll just look at the S&P. I've got a uh, 20-year chart up. These are all the dividends that come out. I've got a couple different technical studies that I'm going to explain that are extremely important. I use a slow stochastic down here. This basically gives me a range where this is the reversion to the mean. So when I look at the underlying, if I see that the stochastic right here, this is kind of like a momentum indicator, telling me that it's kind of in the middle. So there's no conviction in terms of moving higher or lower at this time because the moving average, which is the uh, moving average convergence-divergence study, I've got set for a 30-day. Uh, and in talking through that with a lot of retail investors over the years, there's a lot of confusion. The 20-day moving average is a pure monthly uh, visual cycle of these studies. So it's a little more precise than a 30-day for those that want to adjust it. But I would have your listeners write down three things. One of them is you've got to have a time index uh, based on the underlying strategy that you're going to use. So if you're looking for monthly income on debit or credit spreads, you're probably going to look at a one-month chart and then a year-to-day or a six-month chart to establish what your, your trajectory, what your expectation is of trajectory moving forward with that uh, underlying. As you can see here, I have up the S&P 500, best bull market we've ever had in history over the last four. I go back seven, eight years. We've exceeded every contrarian's uh, stopping point where the market's been overbought. We should, we should expect a uh, reversal. Even the fundamentals have spoken to that in a way to which we should have expected some sort of uh, like a healthy uh, pullback, right, to relieve some of that overhead pressure in the market. Yet we still see on a weekly basis more institutional money moving into the market. There are some sectors that are confirming that, like if you look at gold and you look at energy, they tend to have an inverse relationship to the market. So let's focus on market posture here for just a second. If I was to just highlight this area of the, of the market from last, uh, basically the beginning of last year to where we're at right now, it's about uh, 18 months of, of time we're looking at here. What is the trend? Definitely up. <laughs> we, you're right. We've got higher highs and higher lows. So it's really easy. I mean, the trend yeah. is up. And we've got a saying in the, in the business, right? The trend is your friend until the end, right? So gotcha. it looked a little spooky the beginning of the year. I got excited because the VIX went up to, I think it was 37 bucks. Oh, you get yeah, a big pullback like this, and implied volatility just goes through the roof. So I wanted to identify a support level here. And, you know, I've used different things like the Bonacci's. I'm sure you've heard of them. I mean, really, all I'm trying to disseminate here is worst-case scenario so I can get some good trade setups that had this broken below this degree of support, my next level of support would have been about the 220 where it's held previous mm. uh, in terms of having a floor and a ceiling. All support and resistance is, and it's, it's paramount as a trader that you understand it. Resistance is going to act as a ceiling to keep the stock from breaking through. And it, 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 you'll see quite a few times where it's hit resistance here. Like if you look back in March, it failed to break out, so it pulled back. It hit, it hit its head on the ceiling, 
pulled back. Did the same thing. We had like a double, what they call a double top here. You know, it couldn't break through resistance, so it, it, it failed. And as a result, it consolidated through this part of the year. April was good. Typically, you see a lot of good things happen when people get their tax returns. You know, a lot of, a lot of discretionary spending, and that's really good for the economy. Uh, I think what was monumental, if we're talking about the S&P and market posture and expecting, you know, what's the market going to do? Well, I think probably one of the, the, the most paramount things that happened in the last month was Home Depot's earnings. Did, did, did you happen to catch on to what happened with Home no, Depot? No, I didn't. I totally missed that one. So, yeah, it was about a week ago. It was on a Monday before the market opened, and all the financial analysts, you know, the, the folks at Barclays, J.P. Morgan, the consensus was, you know, they'd looked at the Case-Shiller Index, and there wasn't going to be enough demand to meet with the projected uh, uh, earnings per share would be for that quarter. Well, it was far exceeded, which is which is huge, because in an overbought market where you've got uh, home inventories and those numbers, you know, 20% higher than what they, they should be, you'd expect to see uh, how, how much longer can this continue. You've got interest rates competing as they're moving up as well. You know, you're talking about people acquiring real estate. Well, to do that, you know, Home Depot is probably one of the, the most future in terms of the investor mind, that's the future instrument to dictate out what that market's going to do. And it, it came in a lot higher than what uh, folks were expecting. If we were to look at HD, you can see the off the news, it was, it was really good. So for those that are long in the market, uh, I want to help you. I want to help you know that 25000 is the floor. Uh, that's a support level. Not just a technical support level, but a psychological support level on the Dow. That's what every institution's looking at is, are we going to break below that number? And if so, what are you going to do with your portfolio? Uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So as you can see, I've got different stuff on my screen. I'm using uh, some charts I'm familiar with here. But it's just having maybe two or three different studies to back up your belief system. You know, we all want to think ourselves into a trade that might be good or look appealing, but if you don't have a technical kind of lineup to confirm that and you look at volume and all these things kind of align, you're really putting yourself at a, at a disadvantage before you even assume the risk. And so that's what we want to talk about today. How do I, how do I get in and when and why should I get out? Right. Okay. That's so, great. if it's okay with you, let's yeah, let's let's start talking about these different uh, technical studies. The MACD, uh, we've got that here. Again, if if it gets into these extreme ranges of being overbought, expect to pull back. I mean, I've seen some pretty extreme moves higher, but until you see these two lines intersect, these momentum lines, one of them's representing the. Uh, you can see they're kind of spelled out over here. Uh, what the what the delta is on the underline. I want to know if those two things correlate, and if they don't, typically what you're going to see is a what's called a convergence divergence. A good case in point is what's going on with uh, a lot of the fixed income products, like bonds, treasuries, T-strips, T-bonds, you know, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed anything unusual in that environment, Chris? It's, uh, it's interesting because... Typically, I had thought that 
bonds would go inverse to the market. Um, but is that still the case? Well, that's, that's why I bring it up, Chris, is you're absolutely correct. Typically, there's an invert, like a correlated relationship. But if you look over the last six months or so, uh, the interest on those paying up front have moved up further than they have in the last seven years. I don't care if you're looking at a 10 or a 30 year. Um, and that's strange because typically the market would pull back severely to cause that kind of effect, uh, per se. In this case, the markets continue to move higher. You know, we're back at, uh, at new record highs here on the S&P, right? Possibly. I'd, I'd say the laggard of all the, uh, the sectors is the NASDAQ. That's where you're seeing the tech sector, which had been kind of the golden child that comprised the sector, uh, get hit hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's definitely a lot of profit taking going on there. Uh, we can talk about that, I guess, another time. I want to focus on the entry and exit stuff with the, with the audience today. So I'm thinking, all right, if I'm looking at the trend, and the trend is my friend because we've got higher highs and higher lows, how do I make money on this? Well, let's, let's use a, uh, just because volatility is so low, it would be counterintuitive to look to sell premium to, to really go after it unless you're really, really good at trading gamma. It might be a, a call option here. It might be uh, a debit spread uh, to, the, uh, to, the, to the call side on this thing. Uh, that gives you the most upside. You, you'd have to figure out based on what strategies you're most comfortable with and understand the best how to approach this. To simplify things, I'm just going to pretend I'm buying this like I would have stock because, again, the trend here is up, and I'm looking for a, a, an entry point. I want to get in on the action. So to do that, I'm going to zoom in just a little bit closer. Now, I've looked at my longer-term posture. Last 18 months looks really, really good. But I want to zoom in. I want to look at maybe the last three months and see what's really going on here. And forgive the noise. I've got what are called uh, price patterns built into my charts. It, it takes a lot of the, the guesswork out for me. What it's doing is it's recognizing things I've already recognized to confirm in my mind what I'm seeing is, is correct, which is if I hover my mouse over this, we see this is a, a bearish pattern. Uh, why is that? Well, it's hit its head at resistance, and it's overbought. If you look at these, these green lines, I'm using a, what I call a acceleration band study. And I use the acceleration band, so if your audience is listening, I'm going to take a step back. Max D, right, you want to have a 20 or 30-day moving average. You want to look over the last maybe year and a half, the last three months, and maybe the last 30 days to really see what the momentum, what the underlying is doing uh, in a different light. Once, and you might learn something if you do that, which is, hey, you know, it looked really good on a, you know, a year and a half scale, but now that I'm looking at this on a 30-day scale, what's the trend here? Kind of sideways, right? Right. I, can I mean, it's elevated, but it's not broken out, and it's not broken down. Well, it's trying to break out. I mean, if you look over the last, uh, I'd say the last two months, it's working its way higher. Mm-hmm. But uh, this, these overbought zones are where I get a little nervous, especially when I see the momentum moving out. So what, what I would do what do you establish overbought? So this this green line here, 
if it's above this line, this is the reversion to the mean from a, it's taking the last 30 days of price action, what the average true range of the, the stock is, uh-huh. and it's projecting out to me a certain level of what the valuation should be labeled as uh, if you're taking all of these different moving parts and then having it spit out a, a defining uh, answer, which is it's either overbought or oversold or somewhere in the middle. This is just right in the middle. And it, it okay. seems to be, uh, you know, you've got two closing days here where you've got an inverse hammer and then a kind of a spinning top. So that's good. You want to see more volume moving in. And as that continues, you should pick back up and move higher. However, that's where I, uh, the word hope uh, comes in. And in the industry, the worst thing you can do is hope for things to happen, right? We call that <laughs> yeah. smoking the hope. Yeah. You pick up the hoping pipe and you you might as well be rolling the dice. So, again, we want to define and manage that risk, calculate it out before we get into it. We've got the average true range. That's extremely helpful. I use acceleration bands to see a visual representation of whether or not it's overbought or oversold. And so, so with the S&P 500... Sorry, sorry, Bill. Just trying to understand your chart here. So the middle band that we were just looking at there, that it's uh, just recently been above, uh, below and then above, that's your average true range now? Or, or your average true range average for the last yeah. 30 days, you were saying? Yeah, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here. So, again, the blue, these are just helping me identify price patterns. Price patterns occur when you get three or more candles that kind of confirm direction on the underline. I don't know if you've heard like a head and shoulders. No, I I have heard of a head and shoulders. Okay. Yeah. uh, Ascending triangle pattern. There's there's probably about 30 price patterns of which there's three or four that are really uh, exponentially valuable uh, when you get a feel for them. So I always like to see before I, I look myself, if, if they're gonna, if it's gonna recognize it on the chart. So, you know, it only kind of confirms what my position is on this. And occasionally you get some that kind of conflict depending on what your, your time horizon is and looking. But again, this is resistance here, right at this level. In fact, I'm just gonna draw a quick, uh, trend line in the context in which I'm referring to resistance because it, it helps. I mean, this would be the next level of resistance. And one of two things are gonna happen. Either more volume is going to move in next week to push this to new highs uh-huh. and break out, which would be great, right, if you're long, or it's going to do what it did back at the beginning of August, where it, it does this fake out, hits its head on resistance and pulls back. So those are the two different possibilities here projecting forward in the market. So let's just assume for a moment that I like this and I want to be in on the action. So what I want to do is figure out what am I willing to pay for this? Um, I'd say relevant value here. If I could get it, I'd want to be at 280. Well, it's a little late for that because it's at uh, 285. So one of the things your audience can learn about, and there's some really good videos on YouTube on how to do this, and, again, it depends on uh, what brokerage suite they've got a, a marriage with, right? Mm-hmm. But any of these, like your, your E-Trades, your T, any of these should allow you to do a what's called a, a, a solid uh, bracket order on setting up your 
uh, an OCO. One cancels other. Mm-hmm. One cancels other means I can put in a uh, entry for this. Maybe I want to, it's fair value at 283. I'm at work, so I can't be looking at the market all day. But I know that's when I want to get in. If it ticks at or, at or below that price more than once, I want it. So setting up those kind of rules so you're not making decisions on the fly or maybe while the market's open, that, that just opens the prone to disaster when you start making decisions based on emotion. So the reason we're looking at this on the weekend when the market's not open, kind of the smartest way to assess uh, whether or not it's a trade we're taking, and if so, what am I willing to pay? That's going to mm-hmm. either eat into my profits before I make any, or it's, it's going to put me in a position where I'm making the trade now because I want to be in it, and then it pulls back. And then what happens? I'm kind of regretting and fretting and nervous about it, and I'm losing money. So yeah. the idea okay. is to define your entry point based on what you would want to pay for the, the stock. In this case, we're just using a simple uh, stock purchase as, a, as an example. But let's say it's, it's 283, and you go in and, and do your, your trade, and I can show you an example of what this would look like. Give me just one second here. But I would go into my trade, and we could, uh, in fact, I'm going to use Biden. I don't know if you've been listening to the news lately, but uh, a lot of attention on Baidu. In fact, I have it up because on Friday, uh, it was like a four-to-one ratio of calls versus puts. So the, a- oh, wow. the action on this is heavily, heavily tilted in the call side. You can see uh, basically a summary across all the exchanges what they call the sizzle. The sizzle is going to give me the disparity of what the put-to-call ratio is. That's, that's an extremely important thing because it's indicative of where all the, the smart money is betting on the underlying. Mm-hmm. So I can see how many of these bets were made out of money, at the money, or in the money, which is really cool. So, that's cool. Yeah, let that's me just walk you through this, this trade setup. Oh, there's all kinds of stuff you can do here. In fact... Uh, while we're so, while we're looking at it, before I forget to mention this, uh, you can also go in and see all of the uh, statistics that are filled for the day. So if I wanted to see who's doing what and why, I could sort by quantity, so by position size. I can see what exchange it was filled on and at what price, what the quantity was. I don't know who's doing this and why they're doing it but I can see all the statistics here. And maybe yeah, it's a spread wow. I really like, right? I could right-click, and then I could create a duplicate order of this same trade if I liked what I saw. So if I wanted to, I could click a button. Now I'm doing the same thing I saw somebody else do that was a brilliant idea. I thought, hey, this is exactly what I was going to do anyway. I'm just glad that somebody else is doing it. I may want to just sort by uh, basically quantity, to kind of assert myself with this trade and make sure that it's you know, one that a lot of other people are feeling the same way about. But uh, as far as setting up these rules to eliminate emotion and be very logical and systematic and consistent with when you're getting in and what you're paying, uh, what you'd want to do is come down and do what's called a uh, an LOC. So that's going to give you a limit order, but it's also going to get you the option when you create the order to, uh, to time out, basically. If it doesn't achieve the underlying characteristics of a certain move, 
within a certain period of time, you put those parameters in, and it's either going to fail you or it won't, right? You can adjust those once you've created the, the position, but it is really cool uh, to be in a position where maybe you can't look at the market all day, yeah, but you can cool. take advantage of it. So they're getting familiar. If you go on YouTube and you look for one cancels other orders, uh, what, what we call limit, stop limit, buy stop uh, orders, those are things you just need to get a little awareness of and education around. And if you do, you're probably not going to go back to clicking when it feels right. right. If you think it looks good, you click the buy. No, we want to be very calculated in defining and managing that risk. So if I go back to the chart, and we're really talking about being as solid as we can on this, I would say let's talk about uh, these acceleration bands real quick because you'd asked about that, and I wanted to make sure we weren't too confused here. The green is going to give me the reversion to the mean price, the middle, uh -huh. the middle green line. This is the out of bound range for the upside, and this is the out of bound range for the downside. You can see the probability when it exceeds these ranges of moving the other direction are, are very, uh, I don't want to say absolute, but your probability of coinciding a, a positional trade like this and having the support of a technical study of three to substantiate your decision yeah. is, is probably the smartest thing you can do, right? Yeah, so I've like just that. got a couple I, of studies I, that work really, really well for me. When I look at a trade, um, I I like to look at it like I want to make sure that I'm giving myself the best odds. And for me, that's why I generally go with um, a call spread or a put spread just as easy as possible because I – it's kind of funny. At the beginning of the year, I did an analysis on my portfolio, and while I was winning, you know, over eighty percent of the time, which is which is awesome, ninety percent of my lost dollars were coming in iron condors. And so I got to thinking more about it. I was like, so because I'm boxing in the trade, I feel like I'm not taking in the the entire perspective of the trade. And so that's kind of what I'm seeing with with what you're going over here is. You don't necessarily want to box in the trade because maybe if we've got a, a long-term bullish trend, um, you're you're going to be running into an issue on the call side if you were selling a call spread, but you wouldn't run into any issue with the put spread. And so for me, that's what I've started doing is basically putting on one-sided trades, trades that I feel confident in a way that it can stay where it's at, it can go down some, or it can go up to infinity in this example. Um, how do you trade in that way? I, that's just that's me personally. I found that I, I like a one-sided trade rather than both sides. So instead of having, um, we'll use the gas analogy, right? If I if I was to go to the gas station and talk to the owner of the gas station and say, "Hey, let's make a bet. I'm willing to bet you that gas prices probably aren't going to be over four dollars and fifty cents." Uh, a gallon, you know, between now and October. But at the same time, I don't think they'll be less than $2 a gallon. So that would be an example of, you know, an iron condor. Mm -hmm. for example. You're selling a credit spread on the call side and the put side. I like what you're doing because it removes a lot of the noise and you've got a directional bias behind it. So your belief system around the trade, I, I think what you've, you've disseminated is, is finding a way to do that, taking the least amount of risk to make the, the, the most solid return. The only, the only issue with it is we're not in an environment 
where you're seeing enough implied volatility to calculate that out in a way to where you go back five, seven years ago. That was the, ex- the expectation, and that's why I've got up by it. I wanted to show something that does have enough implied volatility priced in to where you're going to collect twice as much premium taking the same amount of risk as you oh, really compared to some other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you look at the October calendar, because we'd want to go out to any time you're directionally trading options, for being very specific about your trading rules with respect to derivatives, you always want to give yourself enough time to be right directionally because Absolutely. time decays working against you or for you. Depending on your spread, if I'm buying calls, working against me, I'm selling a, a spread maybe on the put side, working for me. And I like this because look at, look at the implied volatility over here, over 30% on these mm. different options. So there's a lot more juice over here. So if I was to look at a chart of Baidu, and it's 20, $22 out of the money at the $200 strike, I can see I'm going to get 32% implied volatility. That meets my trading rules. I will not sell anything unless the implied volatility is over 25%. It's just not worth my time. So one of my trading rules for selling premium is to know for absolute certain that the not the open interest, but the implied volatility got to be over 25%. Okay. So this is this is meeting my criteria now. Gotcha to take the trade if it looks good directionally. So I'll go a few deviations out. By deviations, I'm referring to these different strikes. So at the 200 strike, there's not a lot of open interest there. If you want to be a little more aggressive, you could go to the 210. Uh, I just, when I looked at the options uh, statistics for Friday, for the week even, uh, for whatever reason, this has a 4-to-1 disparity on the call side versus the put side. So if you were looking at the sizzle index or what the uh, yeah. ratio of you know, so I have money is committed that. to the underlying. Yeah. So if uh, if we have four to one calls to puts, and, and, and I was thinking this question when you were showing it earlier, uh, does that mean that there's – now, obviously, for every buyer, there's a seller, obviously. But does that mean that there's more people, a, a greater herd mentality, I suppose you could say, but more people expecting the price to go up? Or is that more people expecting selling calls for it to go down? But I, I'm a little confused in that regard. That's such a brilliant. That's such a brilliant question because it's it. You never know, right? I mean, it could be somebody buying back the covered calls for all we know, and it comes through the exchange and looks like somebody's buying a call because it's open interest. They've gone ahead and executed the trade. So there's a lot of distortion that's comprised in, 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 in relying on that, which is why it's one of maybe five things that we've talked about. We've talked about technical uh, indicators, you know, multi, average true range, acceleration band, the trading active with options. That, that's kind of the winning package of having a precisely tuned system uh, from a technical standpoint. Uh, defining and managing risk, you, you've got to know with market posture, why am I even considering a directional trade on it? Well, if it's got higher highs and higher lows, that's your answer. You're just looking for a level of support that gives you fair market value to execute a trade to get in on the action. At that point, I want to just cut to the chase on cutting your losses. This is where I'd say most retail investors have the, the hardest time. They hate being wrong. And so I want to talk to you right now about how to define your risk when things don't work out as, as planned. 
if you're in a position where the underlines move more than 3%, or you could say typically 3 to 5% since you've gotten in the opposite direction, I get out. I don't, I don't question it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm willing to admit that uh, after years and years of, of, of trying to convince myself I'm still right when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You're wrong, you want. The cool thing is, the cool thing about the market is it doesn't care who you are or what you look like. It's all about what you know. And if you know you're wrong, cut your losses and move on to the next trade. But hoping it comes back to a point in time. I was just going to say, so I have heard someone say once before that a good trader would recognize that it's gone against them and get out. A great trader would recognize it's gone against them and put on the opposite trade. Which would you do? You know, if you were saying that it's moved 3 to 5% against you, would you then take the opportunity to say, you know what, maybe I was wrong, but there's still a chance that it could continue to go the other way, so let's put on an opposite trade? It depends. If I'm in a multi-legged, like a, a spread of some kind, I don't care if it's a calendar, a diagonal, a butterfly, credit, the debit, it doesn't matter. I'm at a, de- a degree of trading to where, okay, I'm going to just close out one leg of that and then leave my complete upside, maybe maybe shave it down a little bit if I've got 10 contracts. I'm going to close out the other 10 that I'm dead wrong on, let the other maybe get it down to five and just let it do its thing. Okay. It's like a salmon swimming upstream. You know? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong if you're already in a position like that and adjusting it. And it depends. I mean, it depends on whether that position is taking up more than 5 or 10% mm-hmm. of the total value of the portfolio. If it is, you know, you might want to check yourself yeah. on the amount of risk you're taking because... I was just going to say, this is something I've been guilty of, too, because uh, I've been long gold since the middle of summer, and I have been I've been so wrong, and this has been my absolute worst trade ever of all time, and it's it's hurt. <laughs> uh, I see you're pulling up the chart there. Gold? Yeah. GLB? Long GLB, yeah. I think I got in when it was about 127 or about there, and man, has it just hurt me. Just over month after month after month. 127. And so I got to well? thinking, you know, based on what you were saying, um, you know, maybe when it had gone down 3 to 5%, that should have been my cue of, you've done it wrong, Chris. That's okay. Things go wrong. But because I didn't, I didn't do anything about it. I tried to roll. I put on more long gold the, the following cycle. Uh, but basically the whole story is that I had my personal market posture that it was going to go long. And because I was so hard-headed in that way, it cost me a lot of money. It was an expensive lesson to learn, I guess you could say. So at what point... Well, you're not the only one learning it. <laughs> That's why we're here. Hopefully, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully just sharing this, this, this information with somebody that cares enough to maybe learn something, right? Maybe they will go on YouTube and learn about bracket orders and how to forever remove that, uh, that decision-making process that's based on emotion. But what I like about gold, to your point, is usually it has an inverse relationship. It's considered a flight to safety. When the market becomes turbulent or there's uncertainty or there's a sell-off, you will see a lot of institutional money move this direction. The other thing that's bearing weight on this is, is interest rates, too. I mean, there's there's a lot of factors that go into the same with, with energy and, and commodities, right? But if we just look at this from a technical perspective, yeah, it's had a severe uh, sell-off, right? I mean, just since, uh, when is this, March? 
was at about, uh, well, almost 1,300 now. Now it's at 1,100 and, yeah, dropped down quite a bit. So my first question to you would be, you know, again, like with any trade, I mean, whether it's gold or buy or Snapchat, doesn't matter. How much are you willing to lose? Is the first on, on exiting a, a trade, the first question you want to ask yourself, based on the amount of risk you're taking, is how much am I okay losing on this trade? If it gets beyond that line in the sand, I'm out. That's the mentality the winners have that, that are trading small, trading often, and they have because they're not emotionally attached. They're thinking the worst thing you could do is look at this and say. This thing owes me money, right? That's the <laughs> yeah. natural psychology behind, you know, I've been there, done that, right? I'm looking at this thing like it owes me money. Well, the reality is I, I kind of like this uh, this candle that's, that's holding, but unless I get two consecutive days with volume where it breaks back above this, this outer range, see, I've got my, I've got my uh, acceleration bands on, and it, it's been <laughs> been trading below what the 30-day calculation of that uh, equation amounts to to create this line for quite some time, you know, as of uh, just the last three days, pretty severely. Typically, uh, you'll see a quick bounce or rebound when that occurs, and you can see the moving at the, the map is setting up for that. You can see some of the momentum is rolling back in favor because there's been a good amount of volume uh, moved back in. But you'll look at the slow Stochastic. I always want to see. I mean, it can't get any more oversold in the in the context of looking at this specific technical study. So what I'll look for is the red and the white lines intersecting, maybe break above twenty, mm-hmm. and then I've got a new degree of confidence on the direction this underlying is going to be. Okay. So I want to look at volume, and I want to look at maybe some other stocks that comprise the sectors, so that I've got a serious watch list. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's so help for me, but that's what's going to happen. What I'm looking at here, and I, I'm already long, or I'm sorry, I'm already out of gold because all of my options have expired, and and it's just been a total mess. But looking at this, um, you're saying that whenever you want to, like obviously there has been a long downtrend. Do you see a reversal of the trend? You were saying maybe two to three, or potentially more. Um, updates to signify that, that things have reversed? You wouldn't just get in yeah, it at yeah, some yeah, point yeah. and say, you wouldn't get in it and say, I know, based on just all my technicals here, things are looking looking to reverse. You want to have a confirmation that it has already started. Is that correct? That's abs- That's paramount. Because, okay. again, the trend is my friend, right? If, if I'm long this, it's not my friend at all. It's killing me. If I'm playing the trend, though, and I'm maybe buying some puts on this thing, I still don't have any reason to get out yet because we've still got lower highs and lower lows. Mm -hmm. So there's been no indication yet. Now, let's talk about that because until we get at least two solid, what they call a bullish engulfing pattern, if you're a certified market technician or a CMT, that's what you're trained to see before you execute. That's what these... These big RIAs, these, these people moving the market do, is they wait for these, these certain things to occur and then they pounce on it. They absolutely commit to it. So on something like this, you're, you're looking and you can go into different candle studies and look, but 
all all your all your listeners really need to get familiar with and learn are what bullish and bearish and dolphin patterns look like. Okay. Because with this, I'd love to see two uh, solid candles that have a, a solid bullish confirmation to confirm the, the momentum because the move up here would be enough on the call set. If I'm just buying, uh, you know, call options on this, I can see an easy two to 300% move if it gets back up at or above 115 within the next 30 days or so. I mean, that's a really risky trade. It's a very directional trade, but it isn't one that I'm ready to make yet because there's no reason to make it. Because it hasn't been I mean, I've been fighting the trend. Yeah, the trend is always going to be, the, I mean, that's the direction that things move. But getting in front of a, a moving train in the opposite way. Yeah. So we want <laughs> to see that. volume increase. want to see volume increase. We want to see the momentum start moving up. But here's a thought, right? If you're good enough and you've been doing this long enough, maybe you're already in this. It, it, it isn't a bad idea necessarily, depending on your, your risk tolerance. If you see an opportunity like this and you've been doing this long enough to say, okay, I'm just going to throw a limit order out to maybe get a couple of contracts at this price. I can afford that. Maybe it's 500 bucks because they're 250 a piece, right? If I want to get in on the action and establish a position, that's not a bad idea. You're just waiting for confirmation to get the rest of the position into the account. So there's ways of scaling in and scaling out. But I want to I want to skip to uh, exiting a trade and only when it's uh, time to get out. Sure, greed is 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 a real problem, uh, not just for me but for everybody that's got profits on a trade. Right? When do we take profit? Well, if it's hit your target, and if you if you don't know what a target is, again, you got to check yourself with your entry and exit rules. If I'm going after a return on this, I need to know what my expectation is. So that means two things. It means price and time. How much time is it going to take to achieve that price? Let's say it's a 115. Do I believe, what gives me reason to believe, that in the next 60 days it'll be at or above that price? That's my risk, right? My reward would be defined based on whatever strategy I'm going to use to go after that. So, again, on this one, I'd like to see a little more conviction behind this bottom. Nice consolidation move. You saw some some good good strong money jump in and uh, commit to this this sector. This is based on the uh, the futures and a few other uh, S and P gold stocks that this is uh, showing here. This GLD ETF. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to see if I go look at Yamana, Some of these other like GDX would be another one. Let's take a look. We're really looking at gold here. So it's going to look kind of the same, right? Yeah. Another company that tied to that, uh, oh, it's a gold miners ETF. But same thing. Yeah, yeah. Catastrophic really off there. Yeah. I kind of like that though because look at this. It, it could be a reversal. Could yeah. be. Don't know yet. I'm not hoping it is. But what I'd like to do is if I'm okay with it, maybe get a couple contracts because I'm attracted to this Again, this is this is where the, the valuation, this is the mean here. Based on the behavior of the stock and the okay. price action, right. the average true range, that's calculating out this middle line. 
So are being you overvalued it should be just based on 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 these candles. If it did start to create the uh, the reversal of the trend, which would mean two to three confirmation candles. So are you thinking that the the target would be between 121 and 2050? Or I'm sorry, 21 and 2050? About where you're middle of the those Well, I know. Yeah, let me let me just break it down. This is the upper reversal zone. This is the lower reversal zone. And we're well below that, right? More yeah. than, you know, let's say 10%, which is like a dream. If you're, if you're looking to make quick money, this is great because I know now all of a sudden, I didn't know that here, didn't know that here, didn't know it on the, on Wednesday, definitely didn't know it on Thursday, but on Friday something something different happened that hasn't happened in the last month, which is there's been a commitment at this price for the institutions to come in. That's what's happened here. But $100 million, uh in, in new uh, volume that, that's come into this just, just that day. That, that's a lot. So what I want to see is conviction behind that move. I don't want to be the first one to the party because I might be there alone. I want <laughs> the, the, the cool members of the party to show up first, the host, and then join in, right, on yeah. the action and have a good time, make some money as this thing goes up. So, yeah, there's a couple different indicators, but, I mean, it doesn't get much lower on the max even where it's at. <laughs> so wanting to see that start, the momentum start moving upward would be a very key ingredient if I'm building a, a recipe of success around my entry rules, right? I'd want to see this red line, which is we had a range on momentum, calculated in with the, uh, the moving average convergence, divergence, and effect. That would be a perfect entry point in my world. Same with the stochastic. You would see this white line break above the 20, kind of confirming a move upwards. So technical, you know, there's there's people I consider families that I've known for over 10 years that trade. They're from the Chicago Board of Options Exchange that don't believe at all in technical analysis or charting. But I'm very kinesthetic, and I've got to have some visual representation of where my money's at and how to manage and define risk. Mm-hmm. So losing trades... It, 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 you, you've got to know before you get in the trade, hey, if it moves 3 to 5% against me or X amount of dollars against me, I'm out. I'm out of the trade or I'm going to adjust the trade, and it's going to be based upon what position, what amount of your portfolio is committed to that one trade. You know, we have a, a saying in the, in the business, which is you never would invest more than about 5 maybe about 5% of the overall portfolio in the one concentrated position. And I've had clients that have had their entire portfolio invested in one or two stocks, right? Right. And and that's something I also recommend. Um, And one of the things that I learned through this gold process is is more of keeping my trades smaller. Um, Honestly, when I put the gold trade on, I was like, you know, I'm feeling really confident with this trade. I'm going to risk a little more than I would otherwise. We all know how that went. So, one thing that I added to my personal trade journal, and and all of my trades are on 10minutestocktrader.com. All of my open trades are for the platinum members, but all of my closed trades, you can see everything that I did wrong with gold this year. And it's uh, it's in the free portfolio that anyone can have access to. All you got to do is sign up, um, basically provide your email address, and you're in. Um, but one of the things so I wait, added what's the what's the website, Chris? It's 10minutestocktrader.com, is that right? Yep. Yeah, and... Um, and so, 
run this by me again. What a, how do I get a senior trade? That would be really cool. So one of the options that I have is uh, Platinum Membership. And with the Platinum Membership, you get to see all of my current positions. I mean, every single trade that I put in, I keep in my trade journal. And that's what I was going to say. Is in my trade journal, I also added a, a column that shows what percent of the account on that day is taken up by this trade. So if I'm putting on a new trade, it will automatically do a view lookup on how much I have in the account, and it will say, today, this trade was uh, 3% of your account. You know, tomorrow, it may be 2.5%, whatever the case may be. And that's helped me a lot to identify how much risk I'm actually taking, because I was kind of not really paying attention to that before. But all of the trades are there at 10 You have to with the option. Yes, absolutely. So uh, and you have to with options, and... Oh, I was, I was just going to say that part of the, the Platinum membership is that uh, I send you an email whenever I place a trade that has three to five reasons of why I placed the trade, what made it attractive to me. Uh, it outlines um, – it, it actually also gives you a picture of what the trade looks like, which, which helps me and helps other people visualize, you know, which direction the trade is going. If it's a call credit spread, it's going to be a, a bearish trade. If it's a call debit spread, it's going to be a bullish trade. And, and somebody newer to trading options may not have that understanding of saying call debit spread is a – uh, a bullish trade right off the top of their head. So I try to provide an image of what of what we're looking That's at. That's really cool. It's educational in context. Too. Yeah, and then um, you know place a trade as to why I chose this market posture. And one of my my things is that I always trade high probability. I, I mean, one of my catchphrases is learn to trade if a stock goes up, down, or nowhere. Because it you know if you've got a bullish trade on that's a, a, a short put spread. You know, it can go down to your put, sprite, put strikes and you still don't have any issues. So that's one of the cool things about um, trading options is that you've got all these different ways to set it up. And that, that's for Platinum members. Uh, platinum membership is 150 per month, and I send you the email, and I also send you text uh, alerts as well as to what trades are placed. And that also, at the bottom, I, I put my own entries and exits uh, on that, and which – which these may may evolve after more conversations with William, but I like to put my profit target, and then I'll also put my adjustment triggers. So if the trade goes in the money, I may immediately wow. go out to next month, or I may put so an opposing spread to it. I just want to have everything lined up because That's when you brilliant. don't, yeah, when you don't have a plan in place, you're you're kind of just shooting from the hip. You know, you don't really know what you're going to do unless you've written down your plan of what you're going to do. So that's what I personally do, and that's, that's the service that's, that I provide. To your listeners, the, the most important takeaway from what you just explained is keep a trading journal. If you can't go back and look at your winners and losers and understand what, what happened to create that success or failure and learn from it, you're going to be victim of repetition. It's going to be a, like a feedback loop from hell when you trade. It's yeah. not going to be not going to be characteristic in nature of, of progressing yourself to achieve the highest level of success you can. What I like about what you're doing is it's very nobody else is doing what you're doing. If you're meticulously outlining three or four triggers for the trade, defining and managing risk with what you're going to do to manage the position and, and adjust it, that's uh, I mean, I know people paying for robo-advisors that don't get anything like that. I'm just curious, how many trades like that would you do in a week or a month, Chris? Oh, that's a really great question. Oh, so, really good question. 
I, I personally have a limit, and I have found this through my experience. Uh, I have a limit of only three trades a day, absolutely no more than that. Reason being, and I learned this from experience, is that let's say on, I don't know, September 25th, you're really excited, your account's fully funded, you put on, you know, 12 trades in that day, you really are committing to what the, the market looks like on September 25th. Let's say by October 3rd, something has changed, the market has shifted, you're still stuck where September 25th was. And so that's why I personally have a... It's a, a very limit. true. Yeah, I mean, markets move, right? They move up or they move down. And if you're committing to, to today's market, you don't have an option or you, you may not have all the uh, the funds available to take advantage of what may have changed by October 3rd. So that's why I personally, I set a personal limit of three trades per day. Now, you know, there may be one contract, there may be ten contracts. I, I don't know. But that's that's how that's I really do cool. my market posture. Is so you limit I, yourself to three. So, Chris, are you doing three trades a day then? Or no, are there not some always. days where you don't <laughs> trade at all? No, for sure. I mean, there are days where there are just opportunities everywhere. And those are the hardest days. I mean it. They are the hardest days. I'll, what I'll do is I'll put in six or eight orders, you know, limit orders, and then the first three that get filled, that's it. Got to cancel everything else. Um, but that's really in a, cool. In an average, really managed. I'll just say, yeah, in an average, average, average week, I might put in. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe around ten over the whole week. 10 new positions, and then just managing off of those. So if I paid for the, the membership and I decided to take maybe two of the 10 trades, mm-hmm. I mean, have you been able to calculate out what your, your winners and losers are? I mean, oh, it seems yeah, to my, me like uh, that would be worth its weight in gold. I mean, you, you'd, you'd be getting your your money back on the, the, the cost of those things. To yeah, use and that's follow how I is I I have personally paid for services that have ranged from $100 to $200 uh, per month, and you know they didn't they didn't give me any of <laughs> they didn't give me any of the things that I wanted to know. Um, so so that's why I put out, you know, all the reasons why I'm entering the trade, my adjustment triggers, my my closing triggers, hmm. uh, my win rate. I'm looking at my my actual win rate as of today is 77.24%. Now, um, the losers... That ain't bad. No, pretty I'm pretty happy with that. I know it sounds totally made up, right? But that's, that's pretty good. Options is they, there's so many options that you can... Or, or so many ways that you can be profitable with an option. It's not just buying a, a stock today and it has to go up to make money. Options are great. And, and that's what I love. That's why I like spending time with you. Is if we're, we're really trying to help the people get... For the best instrument, the best vehicle they can get in to make their own educated decisions with their own money. Look, options can be a real scary thing. But hopefully with Chris's help, if, if you're really looking to get into a position where you have control and gain the knowledge and insight you need to manage it, nothing happens until you get your feedback. Right. So this might be an opportunity for a lot of your listeners to say, well, rather than me losing a couple grand trying to figure this out, maybe the 150 bucks in my business, that's a bad idea. Yeah, right. I, I've learned a so, lot of expensive lessons, that's for sure. I wanted to leave off with this one because we had talked about your, your goals, uh, you know, mistake, and mistakes happen. You know, I make them all the time. But I wanted to show you what 
in a perfect world why the technical indicate why we're we're taking the time to go through this because it's so important. So we we talked about price patterns. Well, if if I was you know looking at this maybe once a week, I would have known. Hey, this is a, a range down pattern in which we've got an earnings. This is indicative of the earnings announcement on Biden. Okay, it took place on the thirty first. And since then, it had sold off, right? Yeah. Well, when I look at the options and see over 80,000 open interest, which, again, you ask the great question. It could could be a myriad of reasons why there's there's open interest, but when it starts exceeding a three- or four-to-one variable, I don't care. I know there's enough uh, weight behind that type of disparity to, to have the conviction I need to look at this and say, look, yeah, it was it was wildly oversold, I've got two nice candles now that have brought me up into the range. Uh-huh. I've got a MACD that's broken out. The momentum's rolled. And now I've got the stochastic that's up in this, this point here. The reason I show this, this is not a, a recommendation or me soliciting to your, your folks to go buy this. It's purely an example of what, again, in a perfect world, what you'd like to see happen with your gold position, which is a, a turnaround like this. Yeah, you've so, got volume, you've got everything you need, and then look at this. If if I if it got to two fifty two in the next sixty days, and I'm in at two twenty two, I'm pretty happy about that. That would absolutely. be my price target because that's the highest out of bound range, and you know it's reversed. It, it was in a channel for a while. It broke the channel. It needs to find new support. Old resistance becomes new support almost every time. So this would be a very critical number here I'm going to highlight. This is previous support. This is acted as the floor. Uh-huh. So what I'd want to see if I'm getting into this trade is I'm okay if I did 10 contracts and sold five of them here because now my emotion's gone and I can let the other five get here without worrying about it. Right? I've already locked in enough profits to where I'm good. I've made money. Oh, the I other five contracts so can, do, can do their thing. So buying these buying calls, right? I'm just bullish yeah. or buying the stock. That's okay, so, the setup I'm looking for with Sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt. I'm just really excited. So uh, you've got several things <laughs> lining up here. <laughs> so okay, okay. So let me. Yeah, I wanted to find a, a kind of a, a really cool, ripe okay. and juicy for us. This is what I like. When, ripe I, and juicy, when I have my yeah, charts yeah. up, I've got I've got a handful of indicators that I look at. Um, they're different than these. I look at the uh, Commodity Channel Index. I look at Bollinger Bands and Money. I think it's Money Flow Index is the other one. I can't remember. Um, I just look at the chart. I actually don't even look at what they what they are. Uh, but but here, what I like about this is that you've got you've got several things showing a a, a confirmation of one particular direction. You've got your your price moving back into the range. You've got uh, price moving back into your your uh, average true range bands, acceleration bands. That's what they were. Um, you've got your MACD that's also showing a a reversal. You've got your um, the bottom indicator showing a reversal. The fantastic. I love the okay. Slow okay. And then you've also like got the put calls as well. You, you've got to have, you've got to have, a, it's like a story, right? You've got to have a prelude to the story to want to read the book. 
Yeah. Man, the one cool. Played, I've got to have... I've got to have the introduction be compelling enough to where I want to commit the time and effort to read the, the rest of the story. Right? So, yeah, I think something like this is, is just showing the proof behind how valuable uh, technical analysis is. I mean, look, commodity channel, Bollinger Bench, I counted. There's over 160 different technical indicators. Wow. You need to find three or four that will fit your trading profile as an investor or as a trader and stick with them. And you're looking for different time frames. So if my expectation is an options trader, right now October is kind of the, the favored month based on where we're at today, the 18th mm -hmm. of August. Okay. So anything I'm looking to do, if I'm looking to get the max reward, take the least amount of risk, I'm looking at the October calendars on some uh, positions. Now something like gold, it's speculated that has some kind of a seasonal uh, move behind it. I might be looking at December, even January. It depends on the implied volatility, and it depends on what it is. But, uh, yeah, you'd love to see this. I mean, anytime you get a, a reversal like this, this is an inverse hammer, which is confirmation of a new higher. Uh -huh. Scandal formation here, and then we've got a nice spinning top with volume. That's, that's really good to see. That's really good to see. I mean, everybody would love to pick the bottom and be in a few ten, but the reality is, you're, you're not going to win more than you lose with that. Yeah, that, and that so if you were to have picked the bottom, trading. you don't have any of the of the indicators to show that this was a bottom. It could have continued on. Am I right? The, the trend, yeah, hey, it's still downtrending. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, my expectation would be for this to get to this price level here and pull back again. I don't think it's just going to keep going straight up. Mm -hmm. I think there's probably quite a bit of investors that would love to get back to this, this price here in fact, based on the path, you know, post earning. But uh, it's biting, right? I mean, this is yeah. just an example of one that uh, is on a tear now. So we'll have to see what happens. I mean, you, when you see, was biting something that you um, regularly look at and saw this setup, or did you get some sort of notification that this, this, and this happened, or... Or were you just going to Baidu to see what was going on and, and stumbled across a uh, several things that lined up in your favor? That's always something that, that I'm looking for is, you know, I, I have my watch list. And I, I personally, I sort it by implied volatility rank. And then I just go for the highest and the lowest and develop strategies from there. But Baidu wouldn't have been on that list because um, my, my list is most obvious. What would have triggered you to look Baidu. at Baidu? I'll tell you exactly what it was. It, it was just there's a couple of resources that are free that I you know I like to pay attention to, and one of them is Tasty Trade. Um, Tasty Trade is is one that with the type of strategies you're doing, uh, they go on and, and present some pretty good uh, material throughout the week. And this is one on the uh, what they call the heat map index. It's because of the amount of open interest and commitment on the derivatives was one they were talking about. So I don't have, you know, five or more hours a week to spend on this. I just don't. I used to spend 14 hours a day on it. Mm -hmm. But uh, in my world now, I'm, I'm leveraging these, these other people I've known for years that are pretty spot on to kind of do my own research and analysis. And when I find something like this that makes sense, that looks very attractive, it's, it, that's, that's why we're talking about it. Um, Lopa Hope's another great resource for tasty the tasty trade guys are amazing. They're, Absolutely. They're
A lot well, they of what the I'm kind of strategy. with the help of Tasty Trade. Um, in fact, I just sent an email to Tom, Tony, and Christy Ross last week, uh, just you know, letting them know how much I appreciate all the stuff that they just they give away for free. That that absolutely blows my mind. Um, you know, it's it's eight hours a day of content, and when I when I share Tasty Trade with people, I say you're not going to find any other place that their only mission is to help make you a better, more profitable trader. Not going to find a better place than that. I've worked with those people for years, and I know genuinely that that's, you know, they, they don't have a hidden agenda. But that's what's so cool. When you're in the world of the financial industry and you're talking to an investment consultant that wants to stick you in advice, do you think that's in your best interest or their best interest based mm-hmm. on the commission they get paid to get Definitely you? Definitely their best interest. I remember I, I had an interview right. with uh, Edward Jones. Many, many years ago out of college and, and basically, basically, uh, um, their job was to get as much people to come in and just buy whatever they sell them. It's not, it, it wasn't an investment job per se. It was more of a sales job. And I was like, this is not what I want to do. So, yeah. The, I, I the worst that. thing you could do, in my opinion, is, is, is have one of these guys put you in annuity. People, mm-hmm. The people selling the annuities, I talked to this guy last week, right? I said, you even know, I know you're getting paid four times the commission. Like, you get you get somebody to put a million bucks in annuities, that's like a $20,000 commission. I don't know. Wow. Pretty, pretty big chunk of change, right? But my question to him was, how do you feel good about that, knowing that you're selling collateral, collateralized debt mm-hmm. to somebody <laughs> that's unsecured that's getting paid, which is what an annuity is, right? And then they can't get out. By the time they realize they've made the mistake, if you want to get out, you pay a surrender fee of about 50%. Right? I mean, no. There's all these things. So I'd, a lot of people don't understand what, what makes the market move and why. And it isn't the people that present themselves in a way that they're here to help you as a, as a financial professional. And they want to sit down and help you pick a portfolio, the yellow one, the 20, 40 one. No, it's all... You're, you're caging yourself into forever being in a position where you're never going to see these 100% moves. You'll never have that happen. Yeah. You might as well just design yourself there looking for these 4 to 6%. I mean, it's just so counterintuitive. I think what you're doing is is so cool that uh, I'll be on anytime you want me on there to help the people not be sheeple, you know? Think <laughs> for themselves, make their own educated decisions, learn a few things, I mean, there's nobody else doing what you're doing, and and it's not as if your agenda is to get money out of people. I, I'm just doing this because I have a passion. I'm like, yeah. I look at something like this and I just get excited because I know what this is going to Absolutely, that's and the plan. Funny too, I mean, part of the reason I, I started doing all this is somewhat of an outlet because I am, uh, I I work in finance. I've worked in finance for the last ten years. I've got my MBA. I've got a management accountant certificate, all that stuff. I don't have anyone to talk to about finance. I talk to a lot of people in my work, but then there's all this stuff outside of, of, of what, I, what I do in work, and it's like, you know, this is my outlet, creating creating videos, making podcasts, um, all this stuff. It's, you know, it, it, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, I don't know if you know him, but some of the listeners may, um, he says, you know, you're only good at the things you enjoy doing. And I totally, totally agree with that statement. Because if if you didn't want to do it, you wouldn't be good at it. 
So yeah, I agree. Oh, I, I love really it. appreciate. I love Gary. Yeah. Gary's been my uh, LinkedIn network actually. Oh, um, I love Gary. I wanted to bring this up. I wanted to bring this up real quick because the uneducated people refer to these these trade uh, renegotiations that are long overdue as a trade war. It's, uh-huh. it's not a trade war. It's us reestablishing what's there, right? And so we finally have somebody that, that's doing that because they've got a business there. But check this out. This is the ETF that represents China, but it moves at three times what the, what the economy underlying is, is represented. Okay. Yeah. So the yen, this is going to be the bull for China. China's not doing so well with these tariffs and trade and some of the restrictions. So as you can see as the, uh, the negotiation started here back at the beginning of the year, it's continued to digress. So if I'm one of your listeners and I say, hey, how do I make money off the trade wars? Well, the inverse of this is yang. I know oh, that funny. sounds funny. It's, uh, <laughs> yin and yang. That's great. It's representing yin and yin, yin and yang, right? So the yang is going to do the opposite of what the underlying is going to do, and it's moving at three times the speed. Mm-hmm. The, the, the velocity behind these moves, this is not an investment product, though. And so what happens a lot of times with these triple-leveraged ETFs is people love the attraction of the reward and the move and all this stuff, but they don't realize that these algorithms aren't uh, set to last forever. They're based off all these uh, interday moves, yeah. not monthly, like a typical ETF. So they're they're broken in a sense in that they're designed to kind of get a zero when they're not moving. In other words, that the digression here got so severe that it's not it's not untypical. If you go look at PVIC, some of these that represent volatility. They've had to reverse split so that the instrument still stays true to what it's supposed to do. Uh-huh. It's mirroring the price action as an inverse, right? But it, it fell out of correlation so far that it had to reverse ten to one. Wow! Uh, basically, ten to one for this instrument to be more accurate, right? That's so great. it is optional, but there's all kinds of stuff. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet out there. Do you yeah. I would. These three things, right? Know what to buy, when to buy, how much to buy, and when to sell. You've got to define and manage risk, right? So we've learned that today. Secondly, to do that, you've got to have a posture. Whether it's a one-month or a year or two-year posture, depending on what your expectation is for the underlying to do in X amount of time, that's going to determine what you're looking at to achieve a market posture. And you'll have... Hopefully, not hopefully, but you need to have about three different technical studies, and you can go on YouTube and check out different ones. But the ones that I live by religiously, you're looking at acceleration bands, the MACD, and the slow stochastic. So keep it simple. They make all the sense in the world to me. I look at volume and a few other things. If the market's open, I'll look at the uh, uh, the exchanges to see what the uh, you know, the, the, the bulls and bears are doing, you know, what the ratio of volume is. But to make it real simple, your best bet is to do this sort of research and analysis over the weekend so that going into the next week, you can have some, some good bill canceled orders out there and some, and you move up your trailing stocks. And as things move along with the market, because nobody can predict the outcome, nobody knows next week if the market's going to move up 500 points or go down 700 points. And it could do nothing, right? The idea mm-hmm. is to put yourself in a position where 
success isn't an accident. It's the result of some meticulous planning and flawless execution with what you're going to do uh, in terms of having a plan. And the third thing that I picked up on that you showed that gotta gotta you may not want to do this, but if you want to learn and grow and, and it's kind of evolve to a point in or a place or in a point in time where you're wildly successful, you gotta have a trading journal. I haven't met one successful trader hasn't documented except traffic. I mean the most successful traders I know live by their trading journal. And they've been trading for, you know, well over a decade, but they still use a trading journal. They'll go back to their notes, look at the setup, the reasons why, and decide to do something different. Instead of ex exiting the position, they'll roll it with the wrong direction to give themselves enough, uh, enough time to be right because they're stuck to the governing rules of principle, which was market posture and the reason we got into this position to begin with. Unless mm -hmm. there's some sort of black swan or crazy thing that, that happens to you know change that, you, you're committed to following your rules. You got to have rules in place. I hope that with what I was able to share with with you, your audience today, that helps them to, to calculate and formulate an investing plan. Well, William, this has been stellar. I mean it. I mean, having you on a second time and just really being able to pick your brains and, and having a visual aspect of it to see what you're looking at. Uh, Man, this has been absolutely fantastic. I, I, I cannot express how much I appreciate it, and I hope the viewers and listeners get to appreciate it as well. Um, I mean, this guy's a master. He's been doing this for, for decades, and he's been teaching people with, you know, high net wealth individuals how to trade their own money. And, uh, you know, this you want to learn from somebody who knows what they're talking about, and, and William is the guy who knows what he's talking about. And I really, really appreciate you wanting to come on and, and sharing your your experience and expertise with us again. And I can't look, can't wait for the next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know where to find me, Chris. If, if, if I've helped just a few of your, your, your folks in making some different decisions or how they're going about making their decisions to be better off as a result, I can, I can move on with my day with a smile on my face and be very satisfied. Oh, wonderful. Means a lot. So I really appreciate it. Man, this has been absolute an absolute pleasure for me, William. Uh, thank you so so much. And and William, where can people find you on social media if they want to reach out and let you know just how much they've really appreciated you? All they have to do is go find me on LinkedIn. I've got a, a pretty serious uh, professional network there, William Satry. So just go on LinkedIn and type in William S A T T R E E and shoot me a message. If you need help with anything or want to, uh, you know, get a little assistance on this, I don't, I don't charge anything. This is what I love to do. But uh, I think Chris has got Chris is doing what I dream would dream of doing, but he's actually doing it. So Chris is Chris has got he's on the saddle, headed off into the sunset here. If I can add just a little flavor to the saddlebags here, I'm a happy guy. Oh, so I appreciate it's good to, it. Good to work with you, Chris. Helping the people avoid uh, losing money they shouldn't be losing. William, thank you so much for being on the call well, today. It's been absolute such a pleasure. I know we've gone really long, but I appreciate you staying on. Yeah, I got to mow the lawn. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. Any anytime I can share some wisdom or knowledge and help the folks wrangle in their thoughts in a direction of where they can be very calculated, remove the emotion, and define and manage risk. Keep your powder dry. Trade 
small and trade off. That's my advice. Is, you know, as you're learning, if you haven't been doing this for 10 years, you haven't lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, listen to Chris. Go about this in a way. If it's 150 bucks a month to get your feet wet, that's a better deal than all the others that are wanting you to spend thousands of dollars that aren't going to be there to support you and actually do trades with you. Yeah. I mean, you can't get that from any of these newsletters or a robo So I think this is really cool what you've got going on. So yeah, let me know uh, next time you want to, want to have me back on. We can look at Apple, Facebook, and really get maybe a couple hypothetical trades going and maybe a, a model portfolio of sorts. Oh, that's and cool. And track of that, that wouldn't be a, such a bad idea. Well, cool. Well, William, we will be in touch soon. And thank you all so much for listening to the 10MinutesFactory.com podcast. I really hope you learned something today, and I, I definitely know William has shared an, an incredible amount of knowledge and wisdom with us today, and, and for that, I'm so thankful. So I hope you really enjoyed the interview with William Satry. I know that I did, and that's why I want to bring it back today, let you just listen to this guy. He knows exactly what he's talking about, and you probably are a little bit more informed than you were a few minutes ago. So thank you so much for tuning in for that. So that wraps up today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. I've been your host, Christopher Yule, and make sure to come back tomorrow for more tools, tips, and tricks to trade faster and trade smarter, and I'll see you then. Our mission statement at 10MinuteStockTrader.com is to empower others to employ the strategic advantages of options trading and to provide confidence that they can profit in any market scenario. Please be sure to give me a like and a comment below and tell me how you can use this in your own portfolio. I have so much more content just like this over at 10MinuteStockTrader.com. There you'll find all the bullish, bearish, and neutral strategies I trade, as well as everything I've traded in my portfolio over the last year. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me. It really does mean the absolute world to me that I've become a part of your day. I've been your host, Christopher Yule, and thanks for stopping by. Now that wraps up today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. I've been your host, Christopher Yule, and thanks for stopping by. 10MinutesDoctor.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinutesDoctor.com and Christopher Ewell, through his content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication. Financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. 10 MinutesDoctor.com and Chris Fuel are not in the business of transacting security trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client's situation or investment objectives. 10 MinutesDoctor.com and Chris Fuel are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker dealer. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and any instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risk associated with the use of any financial security and brokerage platform. For more information, please visit 10 MinutesDoctor.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.